Yeah, and the Word of God starts to grow you and other people around you and the Spirit starts to form you into this beautiful picture of a person who resembles the one we worship. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Amen? That's where we're going as the rock. That's what we are all invited to. And I love this picture. I was having a game of golf yesterday with, with Phil and Alistair and I was just sharing my heart with Phil about the 14th hole after I just parred, parred dirty part and uh, <laughs> oh, I had to get it in it's the new year no. anyway you know me I love to win I can lose but I do love to win but we're having this dialogue and I'm just sharing my heart and he says you know what he says it's a bit like climbing Mount Everest and Mount Everest I found out today is 29,000 roughly feet it's incredibly high and you climb to 10,000 feet. And you see, I look out and there's these amazing views. There's this panoramic view. You see things that you never saw when you're at the bottom. And you just worship God. And this is incredible. Look what God has designed. But there's another 19,000 feet that still need to be conquered before you truly see the fullness of what God has. And the reality is we can all stop at 10,000 feet. And go, you know what, I'm comfortable at 10,000 feet. Like the view. It's a bit chilly, but I do like the view. And I don't really want to go anymore. Because it's going to cost me some things. and It's going to mean I've got to make some decisions that are going to realign some things. It's going to require more of me. More energy, more time. Going to have to let go of some things. And God will allow you to sit at 10,000 feet because He doesn't interfere with our choices. But for those that want more, for those that pursue the more, for those that go, you know what, God, I love the view at 10,000, but I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not complete. I want more. I want to see 11 and 12. I want to hit 29 and see, oh my goodness, look at this thing. Look at the inheritance that I never knew I had at 10,000 feet. This is going to be an incredible year of seeing, perceiving, understanding the depth of his kingdom, the riches that he has for me and you as his church. Because we've got to choose to enter into it, amen? You've got to choose to want to go there. As I said, you can stay at 10,000. God still loves you. You're still saved. You'll, you'll, you'll enjoy that level. But 29,000 feet's got a whole nother deal attached to it. I'm going there. We're going there. <laughs> I want you to come with us. We're all going to go together. We're all going to journey together. Strongest, backing the weakest, moving together. Amen? All right. Grab a seat, eh? Thanks, guys. That's not my water. Better grab the right water. <laughs> Mark and Trina, where are you? Hey guys, I saw you. I saw you about then. I went to say hi, and they've moved. <laughs> How long you've got till you go back? Three days. Three days. They're over from England uh, in the uh, the promised land, and uh, <laughs> I even made it to Liverpool, the uh, the real promised land. And uh, for those that didn't know, Jesus was a Liverpoolian, <laughs> and he did play in a red shirt. You know, there used to be this, there was this um, building, this church building in Liverpool, 
and it said, what will happen when Jesus returns on the front of it? And some very clever, smart Liverpoolian wrote, and there was a player that used to play for Liverpool called Ian St. John. He said, it's okay, we just move Ian St. John to left wing. Jesus can play centre forward. <laughs> I've called this, start the way you mean to finish. Start this year the way you mean to, you mean to finish your whole life. God wrote the end first, so he saw the finish. He wrote it, because it will end, won't it? There is a finish coming. So he wrote the finish, he then went back and started the beginning, and started to write. And so if we're going to start the way we mean to finish, we need to be able to see the finish. What is your finish? Do you have a picture, not visually in your heart, of the finish, the finish line? That's the challenge for us. And, you know, at this time of the year, we make New Year's resolutions, don't we? I'm going to lose weight. No, we don't. I've got one. I want to get it down to a 10 handicap. (laughs) That's a bit unrealistic at the moment. (laughs) But we make these New Year resolutions, but as we enter into it, we somehow either don't make it to the end of the year and we've achieved our goals or somehow we, we putter out along the way. Why? Because we don't have a picture of the finish. We just start something without really knowing the why. We start it without going, well, actually, what does this look like when I get to the end of it? And so, you know what, two months into it, it all starts to get a bit hard. The pressure comes, the chocolate cake start calling your name again, the gym sort of, you know, it's always a bit busy, I never can't get to it, or whatever it is, I'm going to read this book, I'm going to posture myself here, I'm going to get more intimate with God, I'm going to step out more in faith this year. We never seem to get, but we putter out because we don't have a picture of the finish. And the reality is our relationship with Jesus can be exactly the same. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, but we don't have a picture of, the finish, you know, like recently we bought some bunk beds for the girls and, um, you know, the plan is obviously to get them both in the bunk beds. Maddie's fine, Lily's going to be another, another story. <laughs> but um, I bought these bunk beds and as you do, you know, Danielle was away in, in Adelaide with the girls and Sandra and I thought, great time to put them up. So I got all the boxes together and I uh, sort of unpacking the boxes, you know, and I thought, got all the bits out and thought, where's the instructions? New age men, sensitive men need instructions. Okay? <laughs> These old time men, yeah, okay, yeah. they don't read maps either, but you know, or ask for direction. But the young, upbeat men do, don't we, guys? You know, we're in touch with our feminine side. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Yeah. Anyway. I'm looking for these instructions. There are no instructions. How many people have put bunk beds up or slat beds, all that stuff, and you need to have the right process to form it. You need six bolts here and five bits here and ten, because it all aligns. And the smallest mistake can throw the whole thing out. You, know, you realise you put it all up and, oh, there's this extra bit. It needs to go here. That means we've got to undo that. That. So I ring the people we got it from. Oh, yeah, those don't have instructions. Oh, that's great. You sell it without instructions. How come no one's, anyone thought to write some instructions? If you already know that? Uh, no. Oh, great. 
That's okay, we'll get someone to cool it. Or, actually, you can come down and have a look at the one in the shop. Good customer service. <laughs> we'll get someone to call you. Okay, so I'm waiting for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And you know, you know, like, okay, guys, you got it all out, you want to get going. Ah, oh, flag this. No one ever calls, so I can't be too hard. So I had the picture on the box. Okay, the Sunday there. I don't know how many nuts and bolts in this thing, but I laid it all out. And we got it done. In a couple of hours, nailed it all, no having to put bits back, whatever, because I had an idea of what it looked like when it was up. I had a picture of my finish, and I aligned to my finish, (laughs) by the grace of God. When Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overpower it, he wasn't talking about programs. He wasn't talking about people just turning up to services or people coming to a building or even seeing this as a destination point. He goes on in that passage and he says this. He says these incredible words. He says, I'm giving you, he's talking to the apostles, the disciples. He says, I'm giving you these keys to unlock kingdom truths and kingdom realities on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's fairly phenomenal. That Jesus Christ is entrusting human beings with keys to unlock his kingdom. Wow. That's the level of authority that Jesus has given you and me as his church. And we can get the revelation of it. Because you can know that in your head and just continue your life as normal. And nothing shifts. But if we capture the revelation of what he's saying, our lives will change. Our lives will be transformed. Other people around us' lives will be transformed because we're transforming. And there are these keys that unlock his kingdom. Jesus was talking about building a person, you and me, a people or a body, a representation on earth who would be authentic in their relationship. Not a facade, I talk about this, not a mask, but authentic real and tangible. Not just play some game or tell everyone what good. No, authentic Christianity. A world is looking for authentic Christians. And be on an intentional process of accurately being built into kingdom people. I love this, what Bill Johnson said. He said, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. You won't find that in the Bible. What he's saying is if you see Jesus, imagine Christ, he is the goal. He is the thing we are all aiming towards. Once again, internally, having the righteousness of Christ, the nature and the character of modelling him. So someone comes against you, you come back with love. If someone cuts you off, you offer grace, peace and joy. The fruits of the Spirit come forward from you. You can go through things and people can die around you, lose loved ones, lose jobs, but you still carry this joy and this peace on the inside. And the Bible says it it just confuses the world and it goes beyond your understanding. Amen? That's how we are to operate. And then there's this external manifestation of Christ where he said, Go with my authority into the world, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, see my kingdom come, see freedom come, see it, take dominion of the land that the enemy has stolen and win it back for me. 
You see, when Jesus came and died on a cross, he didn't just come for our personal sin. He didn't just come for that. You know, there was something bigger than that. He came to defeat the powers of darkness that rule and reign over the earth. He came to defeat the power of sin, that you would live sin-free, sinless. Because there's real power in what he did. And this book, Jesus said, my words, is, my words are life. They are spirit and they bring life. They're not just words on a page. They shift things. They move things. It's a creative force. And when you speak it by faith, atmospheres shift. People's lives, you change. People's lives change. Things happen. Is that the God that you're into? Is that the God that you worship? Is that the God that you believe in? Is that who you believe you are? Him in you? It's phenomenal. (laughs) It truly is phenomenal what we are invited to at 29,000 feet. And at 10,000 and 15 and 5 and 1 of you starting today. Because God takes you on a process. It doesn't matter where you get in the kingdom, just get in it. And start. And he will lead you and guide you and show you things now, not for where you're at. He truly is a father who loves. I shared this last week. He loves us with such a passion. He loves you with such a passion. Someone needs to believe that today and grab hold of it. Because you've been told no one loves you, but he loves you. I don't even know you, and I love you. <laughs> love to get to know you. He's awesome. You see, we can't just have this casual relationship we catch up now and again. We come back to him when we feel bad. Man, I did that for nine years. You know, there is so much more. Those that are planted in the house grow to be strong, strong trees that actually bring resource and life to others and that the glory of God radiates through those people. Because that's what we're all created for, is to bring glory to him. It's the purpose is to glorify the name of God. We were born to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Amen to that. Not the name of Greg or the name of Johnny or Sandra or Danielle or, or Bob or Bill, but the name of Jesus Christ. That the glory, the manifestation. How do you think God's going to fill the earth with his glory? I don't think it's going to be this cosmic event. It's going to be through me and you. His glory coming through us because we've been wired to steward his presence and to release it into the earth by faith. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and the life that I live, I no longer live to myself, but I live it by faith. And that's the challenge, to live by faith. See, faith isn't just to see a broken arm healed. Faith is to see the fullness at 29,000 feet of what God has put in his manual. You've got to have faith to see that and go, you are joking me. Nope. <laughs> you mean this, you want to do this through me? Yep. Once again, choice. Why do you think God says be like a child? He's not talking about literally going back to being a two-year-old again, physically. He's saying a child takes things at face value. A child believes, when I talk to my little girls and I say things, they just believe. You know, it was really interesting. 
the other day my mum rang up and she's on the phone. And Madeline picked up the phone. And she says, Hi, Madeline speaking. The other end, Hi, Maddie, Nanny here. Hi, Nana. Is your mum there? No, no, she's in the shower. Oh, okay. Um, well, can you, tell her, uh, can you tell your dad that I called? No, you don't need to do that. My mum's like, Hey? No, no, you must have misunderstood me, honey. Can you tell your dad that, that Nana called, my mum called? No, I don't need to do that. <laughs> my mum's going, Oh. So she said it again. Can you tell Dad that, that Nana called for, for Mummy? No. No, my dad really doesn't need to do that. Mum said, why not? Because he knows everything. <laughs> I, I won't claim that, but... <laughs> and I didn't tell her that either. <laughs> but see, children perceive things and take things at face value and then just start operating on them. That's who we're to be. Attach childlikeness and the wisdom of God and now move. And you'll see things shift and move all around you. Here's, I've got three questions. How many of us see ourselves as a soldier in Christ's army? How many of us see ourselves as athletes? And how many see ourselves as ambassadors? Even farmers. We're going to look at a passage today. But I believe Paul uses these words because words are important. And he's trying to articulate, he's trying to communicate with us an accurate picture of what the church is to be and what we are to become and how we are to live out our lives knowing that our true home is an eternal one. He actually said that I'm a pilgrim here on earth and I'm, my, my home is heavenward and it's like I said before Paul had the revelation that his home was heavenward but it actually positioned himself here on earth and he lived according to that revelation and we know what Paul went through and so the revelation of having an eternal place is to literally manifest itself here on earth in the way you live. It's not just, well, that's nice, one day I'm going to be in heaven and I'm waiting down the day, I'm ticking off the calendar and nothing changes. No, no, what he's trying to say is you guys are to live as soldiers here on earth. You're to be like athletes. You're to be intentional. You're to be being built to a specific blueprint and a pattern that I have because you have a revelation that actually it's not about here and you're here to do some damage for me, good damage, on earth to see people's lives set free and this, the, the bondage that the enemy has people in set free and broken and then one day you will be with me. So, I want to look at what does it mean to be a soldier today. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 15. He says that we have to be careful how we build on the foundation of Christ. He says, I'm the master builder. I'm a wise master builder. And he says, we've got to be very careful how we build on this foundation of Christ. Because he says there are consequences for the church, both good and bad. 
for how we build. You may want to go read it. It actually talks about the, when we all stand before God on judgment day, the fire of God will burn through us. And some people are going to scrape him because of what he did on the cross. But others are going to receive rewards, inheritance, because of the way they lived here on earth. 1 Corinthians 3, 10-15. Go have a read of it sometime, maybe write it down. But come with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. And we're going to read from 1 to 7. Okay, are we all here? 2 Timothy 2, 1, 7. He says, I, I, love the, I love some of the captions you know, that you get beforehand. And this is I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, be strong. That's the caption, be strong. You therefore, my son, this is Paul writing to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Don't take it for granted. Be strong in this grace, what he did. Understand it, get the revelation and grab hold of it and start building according to what he's done. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Listen to this. No soldier in active service entangles himself or herself in the affairs of everyday life so that he or she may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Don't get caught up in stuff. God says, I know you need your stuff, but seek first my kingdom. Don't get caught up in all the trappings. Because, and Anne shared this, and I'm going to pinch this with Anne Costello last night. You have a picture of the finish line that this talks about. But in your peripheral vision, you still see all the stuff. And the stuff speaks. It has a voice. And so when you're trying to walk towards this finish line, these little voices, what I call noise, that the enemy's trying to get you off your, off your lane that you're running in, is going to come. And you can see it. And it is attractive. And it wants you. Just a slight deviation, one degree. A little bit, and a little bit, and a little bit, and a little bit. And now you're miles away from this finish line that you have. He's saying, don't let this stuff that so easily grabs hold of you, have that hold. He says, also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Then he says these incredible words in verse 7, consider what I say. It says in, in, in the uh, NIV, I think it says this, it says reflect on what I am saying. He says consider what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The NIV says reflect on what I am saying for the Lord will give you insight 
into all this. Interesting, isn't it? Ponder it. Meditate on it. Grab this passage about being a soldier, being an athlete, and being a farmer, and start to allow it to meditate and get understanding of what is he truly saying. If he's saying that we all need to go out and strap a, 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 an M15 to us and start fighting in Afghanistan, no. So what's he saying? There is a way that we are to be built that his kingdom people look like. And there is a pattern. And we actually are to live, like I said before, like pilgrims here on earth with the transformation of that revelation outworking itself. As I said, not just living here and going, well, I'm just waiting for my day. Because I've got that revelation and now I'm just sitting on it. No. If you truly get the revelation, you can't sit on it. You'd have to be dead to sit on it. <laughs> so, why does Paul start with these words? You see, I believe, and this is why I, even for myself, and I read it, because it's quite easy to write those words off. So he says this thing about a soldier, he says this thing about an athlete, he says about a farmer, and then he says, now go and ponder it. And I believe he, 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 if I want to go from the finished back, he does that because we can easily write that off. He's not talking to me. He's not talking about me. Come on, I work 50 hours a week. I've got a family. I've got kids. I've got my sport. I need my time. He's not talking about me. Turn the page. No, no. Go back and have a look. No, no, he's talking about those other people or those people in full-time ministry. Here's the revelation I want us to carry. We need to understand that if we don't already, that we are all in full-time ministry. We are all in full-time ministry. The Bible says we are all called to be priests. Every single one of us. We're all called to be soldiers. We're all called to be athletes. We're all called to be farmers. We are all to be serving God with our core time, not our extra time. It's like, what? I'll say it again. We're all called to be serving God in our core time, which is what we do 24-7. There's no such thing as this box thing. Well, there is, because it's how people have their mindsets. And we put this percentage in here, and this percentage in here, and this percentage, and we get to the end of it and we go, I've got 5% of time to give you. I'll serve you with that. You know what? You need to go, let's get a whiteboard market and go, <laughs> right, here I am. Core time, 24-7. Where am I going today? Right, I'm in business here. I'm building the kingdom in business. Now where I'm going. Oh, you know what? I'm picking up my little girl from daycare. Now I'm building the kingdom here if God speaks it. Now I'm on the bus and I'm going home. God gives me a prophetic word of wisdom for the person beside me. Now I'm building the kingdom here. It's not related to coming to a building and being in the hospitality team or preaching on a Sunday. It's 24-7 serving and bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's the church. And this mindset needs to be smashed, broken and sent to the pit of hell or the, the depths of the oceans where none of us can find it again. Because it's limiting me and you. It's limiting what God wants to do through us. 
And there is this vast level of 29,000 feet that God wants us to see it and perceive and see the things of the kingdom, these mysteries, and know what they are and then bring it forth. But at 1,000 feet, ambling along, everything's casual and just, well, you know, turn up. And, and the sad thing is, you know, it's like you're the only one that's going to miss out. So it limits us. And it limits the church if there's a whole lot of people that think like that. We miss out. It's like, do you want the best or do you want good? Do you want good or do you want great? I'm after great. I said this before, but I don't want to eat noodles if there is a flame and roast meal with trifle and apple crumble on the go. Can't you see? <laughs> I might need to. See, one of the biggest problems facing the church is wrong mindset and wrong priorities. We try and live our life. I try and live my life keeping the secular and the sacred separate, not realizing it's one and the same thing. We try and live these balanced lives with each box of our lives having equal percentage. I don't believe in balance. I don't believe it's real. How do, you, how, do you, how do you sort of try and balance? Have you ever tried to, I mean, you try and do it in ministry, you try and spin all the plates and you get burnt out. That's how people get burnt out in ministry because they've got all these plates spinning because they're trying to live in, in this balanced order. We all have greater strengths than other people. And when the body comes together and starts operating in that, there's wholeness. I don't know about you guys, but there's times when, and, and, and Danielle and I have built this intentionally. We've said, you know what, there's times when it's going to be me and you and no kids. There's times when I'm going to be away because building this thing is going to require that much of my time and you're going to see me for that much. And the kids will see me for that much. And there's time when you are going to be away, when she went to India for three weeks, and you're going to have that much time and me and Maddie are going to have this much time. And it's about investing in the tension and operating in the tension, but making sure that if you're spending this much time doing one thing, you're intentionally going, right, we're making a date here or whatever to spend the time here. So you make up for the lack. Does that make sense? You don't just stay in this one big thing and your whole family gets blown away or whatever. But if you try and balance it out, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think you're going to live the kind of life that God wants you to, you've got to walk in the tension and build this environment where both husband and wife, if you have a family and are married, that understand. That's why the Bible says, make sure you don't get yoked unequally. You can be unequally yoked as Christians because one person might want to throw their whole life in India and do whatever and one person wants to stay at home. You've got to intentionally build the environment you want, the finish, so you can operate as God says we'd operate. Very quiet. <laughs> I'll put here, and I, 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 this isn't, I'm not putting this to offend, okay? So I just put, it's not about recreating the little house on the prairie. Who knows what that program was about? I think it's gone right over everyone's head. We've got an American family that lived on a farm, and they had this beautiful house, and these six kids with a white picket fence, and everything was just nice. It ain't about that, okay? It's not about going after this next job or being a sports star or a rock star. It's not about being a senior pastor or a worship leader. It's about glorifying God. 
with what you have and who you are and what he's given you and allowing him to come through, through you, die to self and move forward. These things aren't necessarily wrong that I've just mentioned, but they are and we can become trapped and bogged down with them if we don't see an accurate picture of our finish because they become our priorities. They become the thing that consumes us and the very thing God's saying, that's okay, but I'd rather you seek first my kingdom and I'll add these things to you. They become the things that you're trying to build around and you never get that way. And you actually have to make an intentional decision to let go of that and move over here. You don't get well while you're trying to fix this. You get well by letting go of it and coming over this side. And when we had kids, I, I, you know, people would say to me, oh, everything's going to change. I said, I hope not. And it better not. Because I'm not having a kid, that, I don't need this kid to complete me. I've got to change. Sure, you make adjustments to your lifestyle because you might have to get up early and put the bottle on or whatever. But our children come with us. They're part of what we're building. They're not separate to it. And so our lives haven't changed at all in the sense of the fullness. I know whole people that, that plug out. They get married. You don't see them anymore. I need to spend time for about three years. And they go and they've gone. And look, there's not one person I've spoken to who says, we just need some time out that ever comes back. That's my honest thing. They always go. Because bit by bit by bit by bit, a degree by degree by degree. And now they're 20 degrees off and now it's too hard to get back. Same with children. Have kids, we've got to plug out, we've got to stop doing everything because they need all this. No. You know what? You set yourself up for a fall. You set yourself up to be consumed by this thing. And I say that in love. I'm trying to communicate truth. I'm trying to get you to, you know, if you think about having the kids today, take them with you. They don't become you. They are part of what you're building and it's called the kingdom. And you model it for them. And they go, wow. And they start laying hands on you at the age of five when you fall off down the stairs and hurt your tailbone. <laughs> we won't go into that story. <laughs> but they start speaking in tongues at the age of two and a half. That freaked me out. It's awesome. Does that make sense? Okay, let's move on. This is what Proverbs 16.9 says. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So we've got to be so aware that we, you know, we're planning, we're doing some things, we had a planning day at the elders, but the reality is God can come in and, and just go, you know, I'll share with someone, it's like, you know, you might think we're going to Auckland, but actually, you actually end up in Whangarei. Because you thought your plan was Auckland, but God, as you get to Auckland, goes, no, it's not quite here, it's Whangarei. And so you start on this journey, you start on this process. So it's okay to have these things, but be open to being shifted and moved, and to let, even let go of your plan if God so asks for it. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. I'm just going to read this out. Like I've said, it's about glorifying the name of Jesus Christ by making sure we are being built accurately according to the pattern which God has given us in his word and being ambassadors of another kingdom. 
being used to bring prophetic words, clearly articulating the message of Jesus and kingdom truths, making disciples and being made into a disciple, bringing healing, restoration, wisdom, visions, releasing and shifting his resource, discernment, supernatural miracles to this world so the glory of God would radiate through this world. I'm going to wrap it with a clip. I've got more to say, but I'm going to stop it there. I think that's about it for today. But I want us to watch this clip. And this clip, this person is authentic in his relationship with Jesus. He knows his identity. He knows the authority in which he is going to speak forth. And it's who we are all called to be. And the things you're going to hear is what we're all called to do as the church. Okay? Thanks, guys. Well, uh, one night when I uh, was living in Reading, I got off work, working at a restaurant, and like any other 23-year-old, I have a fifth meal and about 10.30 at night, and I uh, went over to a grocery store to go get some donuts. And I was walking in, um, I was passing by the cash register, and this lady was paying for her groceries, and I saw that she had hearing aids, and I thought, it's always a green light when you see crutches, people in wheelchairs, hearing aids. Just go up and ask if you pray for him. So I approached the lady, asked her, hey, can I pray for you really quick? And she's like, oh, that would be nice. And then she starts leaving. I'm like, no, 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 like right now, can I pray for you? And she's like, okay, why not? And I say, hey, why don't you just take out your hearing aids so we can see if God does anything. We'll know, we can see a difference right away. And so she takes out her hearing aids. We begin to pray for her. And the cash register girl, the cashier lady, she's watching the whole thing, you know, unfold. And uh, we begin to pray for her. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a couple steps back. You just repeat after me if you hear me. And so, you know, she's, you know, facing the other direction, and I'm taking steps back, like, hello, my name's Chad, my favorite food's pizza and donuts. And she's repeating this until I get about 25 feet away, and she realizes that she has full hearing. She actually has better hearing than the cashier has. And the cashier is, like, in her late, you know, teens, early 20s. And so she starts crying because her ears opened up. She was 90% deaf in one ear, 80% deaf in the other. And the cashier lady is crying as well. And suddenly, right when that happens, I just feel this wind on the back of my neck. And I get downloaded with all these words of knowledge of what God wants to do in the grocery store. And, you know, I didn't have this. I was just going in there hungry. I didn't have this before. And so I go to the cashier. And I say, this is totally God. This isn't me. I mean, God just totally, you know, opened this girl's ears. But God wants to do more in this grocery store. Is it all right if I get on the intercom and just share, you know, and, and uh, call out some words of knowledge? And she's like, yeah. So she shows me how to use it. I say, attention all shoppers. You know, God is in the building. And, uh, and I begin to just tell what God's doing. And I had a lady that got healed. She shared uh, what happened to her. And so I just started calling out words of knowledge. said, come to checkout 10. Um, people started gathering around, about 20, 25 people. And it was amazing. And this one lady came with a motorized car. said, you think God could really heal me? And I said, of course God can heal you. He's the healer. So I began to just just explain a little bit about the gospel, about healing, signs and wonders. And then I had the lady that just got healed from her uh, ears pray with me. And I said, this is, you know, Matthew 10, 7, and 8. You know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, the sick get healed. The dead get raised. Freely received, I freely give. And it was her time to, to give away the kingdom when she just received it earlier. So we began to pray uh, together, and she, I asked the lady in the motorized cart, she uh, was getting prepared for her hip. She is going in for a hip replacement surgery. 
and she moves her hip a little bit, and she goes, <gasps> and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, like, is she in pain? And, I, and that's what I'm thinking in my head, and I asked her, what's going on? And she thought, that used to hurt before. And I said, okay, well, try to do something else. So she gets up. She begins to walk and then go into this little jog. She begins to scream out, Jesus has just healed me. Jesus just healed me. The whole place goes crazy. They all start, like, you know, hooting and hollering. I mean, this isn't like a church. This is in checkout aisle 10. And this guy in the back starts pushing people. And I'm thinking this guy is coming to, like, beat me up. He has a problem with this. I don't know. So he, And he's shaking his, like, fist at me. And he gets up to me, and I'm, like, getting ready to defend myself. And he says, my, my wrist, I have carpal tunnel on my wrist. I've had it for two years. Will you please pray for me? And I said, of course. And then I said, you know, while I'm praying for you, why don't you just move it around just to see if something, you know, shifts or changes? He's moving around. He goes, oh, my gosh, they're on fire. They're on fire. I'm like, well, that's good. They're, you know, he's a good thing. And so he's like, oh, my gosh, there's no more pain. He starts crying. And he begins to explain to me that he plays the piano, he teaches, and he performs, and that's how he makes his money. And he's been in total pain doing this. And now they don't hurt anymore. And he was coming into the grocery store tonight saying, wouldn't it be great if all the pain in my wrist left today? And so I decided, hey, you know, the, the kingdom just showed up. It would be a good idea to introduce the king. And so I just told everybody, you know, Jesus didn't just die on the cross for these people to get healed, but to have a personal relationship with, with you and that you could have, be best friends with the creator of the universe. I just gave a real simple gospel message, and I said, who wants that? Who wants to be best friends with the creator of the universe? And people's hands just came up, and I just led them to the Lord, prayed for them, and I walked out on cloud nine for giving my donuts. But it was a fun night. So look out, new world. Pack and save. Woolworths, Kingdom Explosion, everywhere, amen. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, and we're not going to get to it today, but it talks about receiving a prize. It says that Paul is after something. Wendy actually, I think it was Wendy or maybe no, Sandra, actually gave it from Philippians 3, 13, 14. And I want to leave you with two questions. One question is, if salvation, of being justified, meaning you pray a prayer that Jesus did on the cross, is a gift and we cannot earn it, then what is the prize that Paul is perceiving and seeing and going after and was afraid that he might miss out on it if he didn't discipline his body? Ask the Holy Spirit what that might be. And the second question that I want to finish is, what does our finish look like? And what will we start the way we mean to finish? What is your finish going to look like? And how are you, are you going to start that the way you mean to finish? I love that question. Do you want to know the king of the kingdom? Do you want to know my friend that I know? And... There may be someone here today or maybe a number of people here today that would like to know that king. And I just want to read this short passage that says, For this is the will of my Father, this is the words of Jesus, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. 
And he also says in John 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word, truly hears it in their heart, what I'm saying, and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. If you're here today, and, and um, I've got this thing we're going to do now, you know, normally we ask you to close your head, close your eyes. I, I knew what I meant. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? But I, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to say, look, if you want to know Jesus today, just put your hand up and just come and shake my hand. If you want to know this person called Jesus Christ, just come give me and shake my hand because I want to introduce you to him through a prayer. Um, now there's a saying, if we can't really do it here, we're going to struggle as we go in there and this is a safe place. And, and, and if you're ready, you will know. So I'm not going to try and coerce you with music. I'm not going to try and coerce you with, with whatever liking. I'm just going to say these are his words that Jesus said. He says, if you hear the words and believe and you want to accept me, accept me. And so if there's anyone here today that wants to do that, Here's a hand that's waiting. And I want to pray with you, hug you, love you, and get you connected.